0: V.C.Y. America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk.
1: And we thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk. Ladies and gentlemen, how many times have you heard the term settled science? When it comes to man-caused global climate change, we've been told, well, it's settled science, and we've been told it's the existential threat of our time. Didn't we also hear that with COVID? I mean, the mask, that's settled science. Six-foot separation, that's settled science. The closure of churches, schools, non-essential businesses, well, we do that because of settled science. Even the shot, just follow the science. On so many issues, we're told that the debate is over. We must act now, because if we don't, There are going to be grave consequences, and if one resists or even dares to ask probing questions, they're labeled as being a science denier. Ladies and gentlemen, there's even a book that's come out from MIT Press, How to Talk to a Science Denier. You'll find numerous articles on the web, like from Physics World from December 2021, The Causes of Science Denial and How to Combat It. Well, the question is, how should a Christian respond to such things? Can we know the truth? Can we make informed decisions? Today, we're going to discuss the myth of settled science and some guidance on dealing with this often intimidating subject. Joining us today, we welcome to our studios, Jay Siegert. He's a keynote speaker and managing director of the Starting Point Project. He's the author of Creation to Christ, uh, Creation and Evolution, and Faith is Not a Four-Letter Word. He has also produced numerous videos, has uh, degrees in both physics and engineering technology. The former president of the Creation Science Society of Milwaukee, Jay, nice to have you here in studio today.
2: Yeah, it's always great to be on the program. Appreciate the opportunity.
1: So what prompted you to pursue this topic here, the the myth of settled science?
2: I was kind of pushed into it humorously. Uh, the Berean call, uh, I've spoken at their conference a number of times, and they contacted me and said, we want you to be part of the conference again, and this time they gave me a topic, and they said they wanted me to cover the myth of settled science. And I said, well, I comment on that a lot during Q&A in my presentations, but I didn't actually have an entire presentation, And but they wanted one. So I put one together, and it, uh, being led by God, it actually turned out to be very powerful and a lot more relevant and practical for other Christians than I thought it would be. I thought it might be uh, too focused and too much of a topic that maybe people didn't care about much. But it's turned out it's really been helpful to them to not be so intimidated by what they're hearing, you know, on the newscasts and articles and online, and uh, further strengthen their faith in the authority of God's word.
1: One thing I appreciate about you and your ministry, Jay, is that you attest to the. To the authority of God's word. I mean, that is your your bottom line. So, I'd like to begin with God's word in this. And there is a verse, a couple pair of verses that really speak to the heart of this issue from First Timothy six twenty and twenty one, where Paul is writing to Tim, Timothy and says, "O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee." Amen. Comment on these verses.
2: Sure. Um, there's a lot of truth there, and we just have to be careful. We don't want to take it too too far when it says science falsely so-called. It's not necessarily talking about atomic physics and things like that we think of today. It's it generally has to do with the knowledge, and science is certainly all about knowledge, so it's calling you know, knowledge falsely so-called, and it can be certainly applied to what we're seeing today, where they call something science and subtle science where it isn't necessarily so. So the word science in the Bible certainly means knowledge. It doesn't mean wisdom. The Bible says that the fear of God is the the beginning of wisdom. Many of the scientists that we hear these statements from, they don't fear God, a lot of them don't even believe in God, yet we tend to go to them to hear whatever they have to say. We take that as gospel truth. Mm -hmm. Then we use that in turn to go look at scripture and figure out what does it actually mean? What are we willing to believe? What do we need to reject because of information and, quote, knowledge we received from some other source. And again, many of those sources are coming from people who don't even believe in God or fear God. So they might have a lot of knowledge in their head, a lot of information, but wisdom is the proper application of this knowledge. And again, uh, they say wisdom comes with age, but it's not a requirement. So you can just get older and not necessarily get wiser, and scripture is the thing that really brings the wisdom
1: okay and uh, and certainly that becomes our authority then as well that that wisdom that comes uh, from god's word the bible but uh this world is really in a mess right now as we're <laughs> taking a look at it and uh, there's just a number of issues that would describe where we're at even currently in this world
2: yeah it's i remember being back in college which was probably just after the dead sea started to get sick <laughs> so it was a while ago but i'll never forget i was you know studying physics and i had physics and math classes Left, But I had to take one other class, just gets more credit since it was a sociology class. And uh, I remember being in the sociology professor's office to talk about something. And I, I'll never forget, this would have been probably about 1986, maybe 85, 86. And he said to me that we were talking about the morality around us. And he said, well, things have pretty much peaked. They're not going to get any worse. And he, he really believed himself when he was saying that. I thought, I cannot believe. He thinks this is as bad as it's going to get. It's not going to go any further. They won't push the envelope. Well, I kind of wish things were as, quote, nice as they were. Not that they were great, but certainly better, more morally speaking, back then than they are now. It continues to get worse and worse. I tell my audiences that we've all seen that, generally speaking, uh, with moral levels, it's been slowly going downhill over time. But a few years ago, the wheels have fallen off. It's turned upside down. You know, now with all these issues with transgenderism and gay marriage and uh, wokeism and cancel culture and climate change and COVID and uh, critical race theory and on and on and on. I say that it's not that any one of these issues is too difficult. It's that they're overwhelming the system. There's too many of them. It's like the guy on the stage keeping the plate spinning. We are, as Christians, are kind of doing that, running around, dealing with all these issues And another point that I make with these issues that we're dealing with is that it should never be our philosophy versus someone else's because who are we that the whole world should care what we think about any one of these issues? If someone brings one up, we should say, hang on a second, interesting topic. Let me see what God's Word has to say about that. If they struggle with what we're sharing, it's really not with us. It's with God's Word, and someday they'll be accountable. And all these issues, they're not wrong because we've determined they're causing problems. They're causing problems because they are wrong. They're going against God's created order, and it's our job as Christians to very graciously help people understand why there are so many tensions and issues with these particular topics and graciously share the love of Christ and the power that's in Scripture to help them. If they had a better understanding of the authority of Scripture, they would connect the dots and change some of these other behaviors, rather than us running around putting band-aids on the behaviors when the real problem is their view of the authority of Scripture.
1: Jay Siegert, our guest here today on Crosstalk, uh, Managing Director of the Starting Point Project. By the way, that's an interesting name, Starting Point Project. Tell us about it.
2: Sure. Uh, Everyone, if you think about it, has to start somewhere with their belief systems. Mm -hmm. It's it's impossible not to start somewhere. Christians start with the belief that God exists, and the Bible is a word of God. And then we use that starting point to define everything else, what science and logic actually are, history, ethics, morality, philosophy, all those things get defined by the starting point that we've chosen. You could talk to a skeptic and say, hey, what, what's your starting point? They probably don't even realize they have one, but if they think it through, they'll come up with something, and then you can just ask, oh, what made you choose that as a starting point, and why are you confident that that will help you accurately, properly understand everything in the world around you. And so you can get into these nice discussions because if someone is using the wrong starting point to interpret everything else, they're going to come to the wrong conclusions. So we should really be focusing more on our starting point rather than running around talking about all these uh, other issues, which aren't, they're just symptoms. They're not really the ultimate problem. So everyone starts somewhere. And if you've chosen the wrong starting point, you're going to end up in the wrong place.
1: Okay. Well, folks, you can find out more at thestartingpointproject.com. Yes. thestartingpointproject.com. We'll tell you more about that later as well. Uh, Jay, you brought with you some interesting quotes here today.
2: Yeah, a lot of quotes. Uh are top ones that I brought along. And Richard Feynman, American theoretical physicist, said, I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. Wow, that's interesting. And I agree with that. I have no problem not knowing everything for most of my life. I have not known everything except when I was a teenager, then I knew everything. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no one knows everything. That's Mm -hmm. okay to have questions. But when they tell you you can't question their answer, that should be a red flag no matter who you are, no matter what your starting point is. They should say, hey, wait a minute. Why am I not allowed to ask questions about what you're telling me? So... That's an important point. Uh, most people are familiar with George Orwell. He said, "The more society drifts from the truth, the more that they will hate those who speak it." And that's what we see with all cancel culture today. If what you're saying is actually true and it goes against their narrative, they're going to push back and actually cancel you. And, and even Jesus said, "If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you, John 15:18." Yeah, yeah. So if you think about it, Jesus is God, and when he was here. Every single thing he did and said was absolutely perfect and right and just and truthful. But they hated him, and they actually killed him. So then you can ask yourself, what chance do we have? We have zero chance, but the good news is God's not asking us to make sure that everyone's happy with us. He's asking us to share the truth uh, with graciousness. And in fact, if we don't run into this resistance once in a while, we need to ask ourselves, are we really doing what God wants us to do? Very quickly, reminds me of a, a poster I saw. The guy in the room next to me in college, I first went to a Christian college for engineering before I went to UW-Whitewater for physics. And in the Christian college, guy in the room next to me had a poster of a football field, and it was really focused on the track that was going around the football field, and there were runners on it. And at the top, it said, if once in a while during your life you don't run into Satan, chances are you're going the same direction.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Very powerful visual And that's true. You know, if you as a Christian, everything's going pretty smoothly, consistently, day after day, month after month, year after year, you might want to ask, am I really doing what God wants me to do? Because if I am, God promises me we're going to get trials and tribulations. So if you're missing those things, maybe you're missing what God truly wants you to be doing.
1: Yeah, I like what Adrian Rogers says on that, that uh, with the devil, we need to be in collision with him, not in collusion (laughs) with him.
2: A little bit of difference there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another uh, unknown author... Uh, It's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. And I was thinking about that. I thought, that's very true. It's not too hard to fool me, not because I'm overly naive. I'll just give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, But it's hard to convince people that they've been fooled uh, when you approach them and say, I know you've heard this certain thing, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You've heard it over and over from many different sources. However, it's it's actually not true because then their response is going to be, yeah, you're right and all the scientists are wrong. I'm supposed to trust you running around with this antiquated, outdated book that was disproved by science many years ago. It's got errors and contradictions in it. It has silly stories about creation and the flood. There are extra things that got shoved in there. There are missing portions. There are other books out there. There are many versions of the Bible. But I'm supposed to trust you and ignore all the scientists. So, Again, that brings in the intimidation. How does how does a Christian respond in those situations?
1: So we're going to be looking further at that here today on the program. Jay Siegert is with us, and uh, you also have a quote from Mark Twain. I think is kind of interesting.
2: <laughs> That's a humorous one. He said, if you don't read the newspapers, you're uninformed. If you do read the newspapers, you're misinformed. <laughs> and he said that a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I think it's more true today than ever. If you don't watch television or read the broadcasts, Um, you're you're uninformed. But if you do watch them or read them, then you are greatly misinformed most of the time. And they all are on the same page. No matter where you turn, you're going to hear that same narrative. So you might be missing something if you don't watch or listen, but if you do, it might be more dangerous.
1: Jay Siegert, our guest here today on Crosstalk. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, afterwards we'll come back further into this topic here, the myth of settled science. We'll be looking at uh, some case points as well as it relates to things like uh, so-called man-made global climate change, uh, the, the COVID and so forth. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Crosstalk.
3: to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, is there ever interbreeding
2: between species? Indeed there is, Chris. To illustrate this, let's talk about dogs. We know that in domestic dogs, there are many different breeds, and some of them are very different, from Great Danes to Chihuahuas, but all of them are interfertile. They're all part of the same species. The Bible tells us that God created the various kinds, and the dog kind, no doubt, included the domestic dogs, but it evidently also included the wolf and the fox and the coyote, because all of them can interbreed. Now I find that even jackals have been interbred with domestic dogs. Jackals have a very acute sense of smell, and so breeding them with huskies produced a new dog, which are good sniffer dogs for use at airports. Once again, Chris,
4: we see that the biblical creation story is the one that makes sense. And that's the back
1: to Genesis truth. This is Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Our guest today, Jay Siegert, a keynote speaker and managing director of the Starting Point Project, their website, thestartingpointproject.com. We're talking today about the myth of settled science. And even as we go into this segment uh, here, Jay, we keep hearing of settled science. So again, let's go back and define our term, what is science?
2: Yeah, science can be defined in in many ways. It's interesting that that science was actually birthed out of the Christian community. Most people assume, well, you know, you got science on one hand, you got the Bible, which is a religious thing on the other hand, you got to choose between the two, but In reality, most major areas of science we have today were birthed out of the Christian community, rattle through a whole bunch really quick, antiseptic surgery, bacteriology, calculus, chemistry, computer science, electronics, electrodynamics, electromagnetics, fluid mechanics, um, galactic astronomy, gas dynamics, genetics, hydraulics, hydrostatics, oceanography, optical mineralogy, paleontology, pathology, physical astronomy, stratigraphy, thermodynamics, thermokinetics, vertebrate paleontology, and a scientific method all founded by Bible-believing Christians. Hmm. And basically, they took for granted that God created everything. It seems so incredibly obvious. That there's no way this universe and life, as complex as it is, just came out of nowhere for no reason. So it was a given that God created it. And since God is a God of order, we learn that from Scripture, they expected to see order in His creation. So as they started looking up into the heavens and on the earth itself, they started seeing these regularities, formulating different laws and things, and formulated these areas of science. It was just a given. So, simplistically, a definition of science then would have been um, searching for explanations for the natural world around us, the natural world of nature that God created, seeing basically how it's functioning, studying it to see what did God do to get these things to work. Well, since then, the definition has been hijacked, and now it's a search for natural explanations for the world around us. They have ruled out the supernatural right from the beginning, Mm. That was not a scientific conclusion. They didn't go into the laboratory and do an experiment. And say, "Oh, I guess science can only deal with nat or natural things." It was a philosophical decision to rule God out. Even Dr. Scott Todd from Kansas State University said, "Even if all the data, you know, basically point to a designer, a God, a creator, such an hypothesis is excluded from science because it's not naturalistic. They're only looking for natural answers." So, in a sense, the secular science t- scientists today will never ever find scientific evidence for the existence of God or creation. Because if it leans that way, they'll just say, oh, well, but that can't be science, and they'll write it off. And the analogy that I use is, if I ask someone to write a 100-page research paper on the origin of my laptop, here's the catch. Nowhere in the paper can they refer to human beings, you know, men and women, scientists, engineers, programmers. You come up with some pretty crazy stories as to how the laptop got here if you couldn't talk about purpose and intelligence and design. That's what many of our science textbooks are filled with today. They're trying to explain the origin of life and the origin of universe apart from purpose, design, or creation. Uh, only natural laws, which where did the natural laws even come from? and they're coming up with some pretty crazy stories. Uh,
1: they are, and yet the term science is actually being used as a club to get us to comply. Uh just weeks ago was the uh COP27 conference that was held in Egypt, and uh, one of the things we heard uh, is that uh, this is the last chance we have to save our planet. Uh, if we fail to act now, we won't be around in, you know, x number of years. And decades ago, we were given that same story, you know, you must act now or else. Uh, science is being used as a club.
2: It is. Again, there's generally a narrative, and they want you to comply with something. Mm -hmm. Very often, the issue isn't the issue, whether it's COVID, climate change, or whatever. Some people in those movements are very sincere. They might be misled, but they're very, very sincere. and They really want to accomplish something that they believe is good. Others want to accomplish something, and they see this as an opportunity. Hey, we could use COVID. We could use climate change. We could so they don't care so much about the issue. So they can use science as a club to beat you into submission to doing whatever they want you to do. And we'll rattle through these fairly quick. One way is called being overly technical. That's where someone is explaining something and it is so technical, you're not even sure what they're talking about. How can you possibly respond or refute it when you don't understand it? And as complex as some things are, you should be able to explain them in a fairly simplistic way to have a discussion. I could tell a six-year-old how computer programming works. I I did programming for 12 years. You sit down in front of the computer and you type in instructions, and then the computer reads your instructions and then it carries them out. That's what computer programming is. That's 100% accurate. It's not 100% detailed, but it's accurate and we can have a discussion. So very often when someone is getting very, very technical, sometimes it's because they're not the best speaker. And that's, that's understandable. Not everyone has those skills. But many times they are purposely being overly technical so that you can't pos- possibly push back. Again, that's one way of using it as a club. Elephant hurling, that's where they're throwing out large vacuous statements like evolution is an absolute fact. Uh, all scientists believe it. It's proven by evidence from every uh, um, evidence from every area of science. Large statements just thrown out there without any supportive details behind it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, appeal to authority. Well, this particular thing we're telling you must be true because... Uh, this is coming from the world's leading authorities in this area. Well, they actually might be the world's leading authorities in those areas, but that doesn't mean that what they say is true. It has to have evidence to back it up. So that's just appeal to authority. Shaming—we've all dealt with that. If you don't believe what we're telling you, and you don't do what we're telling you to do, you obviously are a science denier, mm-hmm. and you don't care that other people are actually dying because of your selfishness and your ignorance about science. So they're shaming a lot of the public into doing whatever. And we see a lot of actions happening still today, not out of knowledge, but out of shaming. They want to virtue signaling, I I care, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. We have eliminate discussion, that's cancel culture, just shut everything down. Uh, Consensus science, uh, even secular scientists actually hate the concept that we call consensus science. That's where they say this particular thing is true because the majority of scientists believe it. Well, the secular scientists will tell you that's not how science works. We don't get together and vote on whether or not something is true. It takes evidence, and very often it only takes one piece of evidence or one person to overturn something we believed for years and years. So we don't vote on truth in science. Uh, Then we have academic censorship. Uh, This is where they say, well, we won't publish your research because you're not real scientists. Oh, why are we not real scientists? Because you don't publish in our journal. Why can't we publish in your journal? Because you're not real scientists. Why are we not real scientists? Because you don't publish in it's our journal. Very circular. Yeah. And there are actual examples of that. Um, then there's academic censorship. Or we just did that. Then there's the uh, doggy head tilt. That's where someone says something that makes you kind of tilt your head, like, what? And an example would be um, they'll say that creation theory is not science because it's not testable. Then they'll turn around and say, we have tested creation theory and proven it to be false. Mm. Wait a minute, if it's not testable, you didn't test it. But if you did test it, that means it is testable and it counts as science. So they'll say things like that that really are self-defeating. Last one is misleading headlines. This is huge. Uh, Let's make up a headline. Let's say, recent discovery proves Darwinian ape to man evolution. Okay, provocative, sensational headline there. The vast, vast, vast majority of people will never read the article. They're too busy. They see the headline, and they will think to themselves, when are those silly Christians going to give up their beliefs in the Bible? Here's more proof of evolution. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you didn't see any proof. You read a headline, and that was it. Some people actually start reading the article. But it starts out by saying, in 1831, so and so, and they're like, oh, I don't have time for this. I, I just want to know what they discovered a few days ago, so they don't read. Some people read all the way through, but they're thinking about stuff they have to do, and eating, and whatever. They're, just, they're not really paying attention. A very, very, very small percentage read all the way through. They get to the end and they say, wait a minute, there's nothing in the article that backs up the headline. Nothing. In fact, it even concludes by saying many scientists remain skeptical. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. The headline went out and the power right. was out to 99.9% of the people. Some
1: scientists think it could have.
2: <laughs> well, you go through those articles, that's mm-hmm. another exercise. You mm-hmm. you look for fuzzy words, take yeah. a highlighter highlight anything that might have, could could be, could have been, we mm-hmm. believe, perhaps, possibly, you highlight all that, there's not a whole lot of anything left. Right, right. And maybe the only fact they have is, yes, apparently they found a rock. But that's the only fact everything else is really reading into it. Now,
1: yeah. Our topic today uh, deals with the, the question, the myth of settled science. Is science ever actually settled? I mean, is there a time when science has been
2: wrong? Well, I, I when I'm sharing with my audience, as I say, let's, let's talk a minute when uh, various times when science has been wrong. And then the next thing I say is, actually, science has never, ever, ever been wrong because science doesn't say anything. It says nothing. It's just a body of data. It has to be interpreted to give it any meaning. And the way you interpret something is by using your starting point, what you already believe, your existing beliefs. You look at some new data and then you draw some conclusion from that. Mm -hmm. So there are many times when scientists' conclusions have been wrong. There's nothing wrong with the science, just data, but their conclusions about it have been wrong. Uh, One example is we used to do bloodletting. I'm sure some people listening will remember that concept. They thought when someone got sick it was because they had bad blood, so they drained some blood out of them. That's largely how George Washington died. He got pneumonia, went to the doctor, drained some blood. He got sicker, so they drained some more blood. He got sicker. It's like, this guy's really sick. They ended up draining almost a gallon of blood out of him and he died. Today, we know Leviticus 1711. I think it is the life of the flesh is in the blood. Um, You don't do that, but that's what they did. In his time, they were terribly wrong. They had to change. Quick side note, if you ever see a barber pole with red stripes, they used to give people a cylinder to grasp, kind of like that pole, and then they would cut their arm, drain the blood, wrap a towel around their arm to help stop the bleeding, absorb some blood. Sometimes they would take the used towels and hang them on these cylinders outside the wind would catch it and wrap around the pole. Mm. That's why today barber poles have red stripes.
1: Yeah, nothing that was cutting hair there, oh, right? Yes. <laughs> cutting other parts. Um, the myth of settled science. Um, we're going to look at some examples of this here today, and uh, uh, we've heard it over and over and over again uh, since the release of COVID, COVID-19, and uh, follow the science. We follow the science, therefore you must do X, Y, Z. Could you comment on as it relates to COVID-19 and this matter of settled science?
2: Sure. You know, caveat I'll throw out to begin with, we will be talking about COVID. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a white lab coat or a stethoscope. I probably can't spell stethoscope. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not going to be commenting on vaccines, whether they're good or bad, whether someone should be vaccinated or should not. I actually have very, very strong opinions about all those things. But I tell people I ain't smart enough and I'm not important enough for everyone to have to know what I think. They want to contact me individually. I can talk to them about it, but I don't feel led by God to travel around to make sure everyone knows what I think they should be doing. Uh, Again, I have strong opinions, but uh, what I will share should be of concern to anyone, no matter whether they've had 50,000 vaccines already or they will never, ever get one or anywhere in the middle. These are red flags that should alarm anyone who's interested in truth and things that are being done in the name of science that should never occur. Okay.
1: So, um, but we have been told many, many things as it pertains to COVID, but um, not necessarily settled science.
2: Right. Uh, when they say science is settled, most things in science aren't settled. You know, if, if you want to know if lead or cotton is more dense, mm-hmm. I can, that can be settled because you could have thousands of scientists doing the same experiment over and over getting the exact same results. Lead is more dense. We do, We don't really question that. But, Aspirin is good. Aspirin is bad. Eggs are good. Eggs are bad. Chocolate is good. Chocolate is good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I tell people not to fight me on the chocolate one. But, I mean, science changes its minds on things, and same thing with COVID. They weren't even sure what it was to begin with, and yet they were telling us what to do. And uh, one thing about uh, an article WebMD, an article was entitled A Year of COVID, and the subtitle was Everything We Thought We Knew Was Wrong. Mm. They did not say we were off in a few areas. They said everything we thought we knew was wrong. Those are their words. Well, if everything they thought they knew was wrong, then that means what they were telling us to do in response was wrong. But now we're supposed to trust them this time.
1: (laughs) Wow, wow. Well, we're going to come back to another illustration that is dealing with climate change. And uh, friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Jay Siegert is our guest here today, and uh, we're talking about the myth of settled science. Uh, Jay is the managing director of The Starting Point Project. Again, their website, thestartingpointproject.com. More discussion in just a minute. You're listening to Crosstalk. Crosstalk.
3: There is a significant uptick in the intensity of the issues bombarding us. It's not a single battle being waged, but an all-out war on numerous fronts. The attack on biblical values, the demonizing of Christianity, escalating lawlessness, the emerging secular agenda, and the growing control of the populace are all unfolding. These assaults share the common thread of globalism globalism by the powerful elite in order to have supremacy over the people, their land, government, commerce, energy, and even religion. In the book, Globalism, The Great World Consumption, author Richard Smith tackles these matters head on by not only looking at the perilous times in which we live, but to see how this lust for control is propelling us toward a one world political system and both a one world economic and religious system. The book, Globalism, is available from VCY for a donation of $16 or more when you call 1-800-729-9829.
1: This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Our topic today is the myth of settled science. Jay Seekert is our guest managing director of the starting point project and uh, author of several books, as we mentioned, creation to Christ, the uh, creation and evolution. Faith is not a four letter word, um, numerous uh, DVDs. He's got available through his website as well, which is thestartingpointproject.com. starting uh, Jay, we're talking on this topic and we could go uh, much further into COVID and all the things we've been t- told and so forth. But for sake of time, we're going to just introduce another topic and that is dealing with a uh, climate change, uh, I've got an article from October 2018 with the UN warning. We've got 12 years to limit the climate change catastrophe, and we can go back even further. I, I saw an article from uh, uh, 2009, uh, predictions made that never came to be in the name of science. Uh, there was COP 15 in Copenhagen in 2009. That conference, Al Gore referenced state-of-the-art computer modeling to suggest that the North Polar ice cap may lose all of its ice by 2014, the article stated. So let's talk about this matter of clim- climate change and settled science.
2: Oh, yeah, there's so much that we could cover. We're just scratching the surface here, but um, we just had the 50th anniversary of Earth Day in 2020. So now it's the 52nd anniversary in April of 2020. So in 1970, that was the first Earth Day, and they made a lot of predictions of what was going to happen, very dire predictions. Just what we're hearing today, we are in the fight of our lives. If we don't take immediate action, Mm -hmm. we are doomed. That's what they said fifty two years ago, and they were I have a whole list of thirteen things that were terribly wrong. I just pull up maybe one of them. This is stated in nineteen seventy in a decade. it would mean by nineteen eighty urban dwellers will have to wear gas masks to survive air pollution by nineteen eighty five air pollution will have reduced the amount of sunlight reaching the earth by one half yeah and some of the other quotes are even worse than that well. Can you even imagine wearing a mask? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> We've been doing that. Um, but these things were terribly wrong. We got every single one of them way, way, way wrong. While well, we're hearing the same verbiage today, it's very sensational. They'll show a picture's worth a thousand words, so they show some forest fire somewhere, and they say climate warming, you know, climate change, global warming, look at these fires, we're causing it, we have to stop driving our cars immediately, and people panic because they don't want to be shamed. They want to show people they care, so they'll give up their lifestyle because they're told that they're killing the planet.
1: You know, I've seen even newspaper articles from some years ago. We saw, and we're talking from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we we uh, border one of the Great Lakes, Lake Michigan, And there were articles, Jay, that indicated that when waters were receding and we were at low levels at Lake Michigan, it's due to global climate change. And in recent years, it's been, you know, rising water levels and it's due to global climate change. It's no matter what happens. And they said that, you know, then the, the rising and the falling of water is all due to global climate change. So I guess all the bases are covered by their statements there.
2: They're very, very clever. In the 1970s, they were worried about the Ice Age coming. Yes. Uh, that didn't work well, so they went from global cooling to global warming. That didn't work well, so then they mm-hmm. went to climate change, and now any change is bad, and it's your your fault. So they've got themselves covered. I, I give them credit. They're very clever with that, but no, no matter what happens, change is bad, and you're causing it. And uh, I guarantee you if the climate actually leveled out, it's always been changing. We have a history of that. But if it ever leveled out, they'd say, wait a minute, it's always changed. Now it's not changing. That's bad, and you're causing it. (laughs) Right, right.
1: But doesn't Scripture tell us that while the earth remaineth, that summer and winter, day and night, it's not going to cease?
2: Not going to cease. God knew what he was doing when he made the earth. He knew how long we'd be here. He knew how many people would be here. And we still should be very good stewards of the earth. Mm -hmm. So if we want to make some efforts in recycling plastics, some of those things are very good. But we don't want to go overboard and worry about those things so much and abort millions and millions of babies. We're just very skewed sometimes in our thinking. Well,
1: let's deal with this issue of overpopulation at the same time because uh, we just crossed uh, November 2022 to 8 billion people here on this planet. We're told we're overpopulated. Uh, how do you respond? I mean, we're, we're being warned from science that we're, that we're going to overpopulate ourselves. We're going to have huge famines as a result. Um, your,
2: your response? Yeah, we're, we're burning through our resources. That's what we're told. So you show pictures of different areas on the earth, China, India, there's lots of people all packed in and you say, you know, overpopulation, we're using up our resources, we got to do something drastic now. And that works, it's very sensational, it's very visual for people. But a more powerful visual would be this, take every single person on the planet, now 8 billion people, stand them shoulder to shoulder and they would fit in the state of Texas, but they wouldn't fill the state. They would fill one. Percent And yes, I'm not making a mistake when I say that 0.1% of the state of Texas, the rest of the state would be empty. The rest of the planet would be empty. Wow. So is the earth overcrowded? No, not at all. Are there areas where there are too many people? Yeah, mismanaged in you know, China, India, other places. But God knew how long the earth was going to be here. He knew how many people would be here. He made it the right size. He knows what he's doing.
1: <laughs> yes. It's pretty amazing. And uh, just to see this and, you know, you couple this even with with COVID and vaccinations and so forth. And I remember Bill Gates indicating that saying if we do a real good job with vaccinations, we will save lives and reduce the population at the same time. Sounds like quite a paradox.
2: Well, there are many people on high levels of government who are very serious about reducing the population, even Jacques Cousteau a few years ago said, in order to stabilize world population, we must eliminate 350,000 people per day. It's like, wait a minute, eliminate? <laughs> You're not talking about slowing down the growth rate. He's talking about eliminating existing people. And again, they're not even hiding their words anymore. They're they're very serious about it. Yeah, all that.
1: and I, I saw the rest of that Cousteau comment, too, and he says, it's a terrible thing to say, but it's even more terrible not to say
2: it. Yes, yeah, and but that's the mindset. And again, if you have a different starting point, the starting point that many of these people have... A lot of what they're doing makes sense, even with the transhumanism and all these things that are fascinating on one hand, but kind of creepy on the other hand, it makes sense when you have their starting point. So we shouldn't be just overly critical about where they're headed. We should go and be talking about their starting points. If you have the right starting point, then you're not worried about overpopulation. But if you have their starting point, which is erroneous, you're going to be worried about getting the population down and you might have some very nefarious ideas of how that could come about.
1: Are we seeing this whole thing work itself through again on the whole gender debate? I mean, if, if you just take these, these blockers or you take these enhancers or you do this surgery, that you'll be able to change your gender?
2: It, it is. It's it's something that I almost feel like giving up everything I'm doing and just focusing on that area because it's just very alarming and it's gotten in, obviously, in our school systems. And, you know, if you think about it, you go into a grade school and you tell second graders, you know, that some boys like girls, but some boys like boys. Well, most boys in second grade think girls are gross and icky and all that. So they're starting to think like, well, maybe I'm one of those boys who likes boys because I like Billy and Jimmy, you know, more than whomever. And um it just it messes with them and that really that personally, you know, upsets me that they're doing this and mm-hmm. using our tax dollars to do it, but it's all premised on on a different starting point and it will lead to affecting their population as well and there's a lot that, you know, different paths we could go down in that whole topic.
1: Yeah, and and Jay, again here, for sake of time, we could give many illustrations of many things going on, but the bottom line, where do we go from here? How does a Christian respond in such times?
2: Sure, what we need to do is always turn the conversation back to Scripture. Again, if someone brings up transgenderism, COVID, climate change, you know, whatever it is, we should first of all listen to them. To hear what it is that they're saying, what is it that they believe, ask follow-up questions to get clarification on what they mean by what they're saying and find out how did they come to that conclusion and why are they confident that those are accurate conclusions. Once we've established that, we're in a better position to be able to address them rather than seeing them as a, quote, generic enemy, just waiting for them to finish so we can tell them why they're wrong, why we're right, and it's not effective. But if we really listen to hear where they're coming from, then we can share and turn like, hey, thanks for sharing that. I'm dealing with the same issues you are too, with the border crisis and with inflation and with COVID and climate, all these things. But here's actually why I have peace through all this. And we can get into sharing what scripture has laid out for God's plan. Um, and it's just natural and that the power is in God's word, not in our clever arguments.
1: Jay Seeger is our guest here today, and friends, we're opening our phone lines. If you'd like to ask a question of our guest today as it pertains to this topic, the myth of settled science, uh, perhaps a brief comment on what you've heard today on the broadcast or number 800-733-9829. That's one 800 733 to nine your question today a brief comment on our discussion today the myth of settled science no doubt friends you have been barraged with what you have been told is settled science on so many different issues. Uh, again, our number 800-733-9829. Uh, Jay, you've got uh, a lot of helpful information on a variety of topics uh, through your website, uh, DVDs. Uh, you also have a newsletter people can sign up for, so give us more information.
2: Sure, a lot of resources. Again, at the com, there's free email newsletter. You can sign up right on the homepage of our website. comes out once a month. Uh, In there, one of the things that includes, in addition to my speaking schedule, is an article that I always write called The Question of the Month to get people to think a little bit deeper about their faith um, and help better position them to defend the Christian worldview. And then we've got 22 different videos that are on 11 physical DVDs. They're also streamable, so people can... I know DVDs are becoming old school, Um, so everything's available streaming. I'm working on 22 more videos. I've got three books. I'm working on... We'll be working on six more books Hmm. and then an entire apologetics training video series with a videographer out on the East Coast. And there's other resources on the website as well. Very
1: good. Uh, Again, the website is thestartingpointproject.com, thestartingpointproject.com. Our phone number to crosstalk today, 800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829 is our number today and uh, maybe there was something that's kind of stumped you, something you've told, and, and and how do you respond to it uh, as it relates to this topic? You're told it's settled science. What do you do? Our number 800-733-9829. Let's uh, begin with Paul in Bussey, Iowa. Hi, Paul, you're on the air.
4: Thank you. Um, I'm an electrical engineer who's worked at several national laboratories, and uh, 30 years ago I was recruited by the, uh, National Science Foundation to help them promote, uh, it, while at the time it was, uh, uh, global warming. Uh, it was before they uh, changed to the climate change. And I, I told them at the time that, that, uh, I wasn't going to do it because most of what they were claiming could be, uh, uh, pretty easily explained just by the fact that the Earth's magnetic field is running down. But, uh, one of the things that, uh, I was involved in was the uh, superconducting super collider uh, in CERN, and they would hold meetings and they would say, uh, you know, we're looking at these beam collisions to find out what happens five nanoseconds after the big bang. And I'd stop the meeting and I said, "Don't no. What you're going to find out is what happens five nanoseconds after a beam collision, because that's science." Science is what you observe. The rest of it is just purely speculation and your imagination. And uh, I was wondering if uh, your speaker could comment on something a little different than that. Everything they're talking about is, is uh, more politi- political science than, than science. Uh, and they seem to just want to redistribute America's wealth. Uh, could you comment on that?
2: Sure. Uh, One of the things I have in my full presentation is that uh, if you're a meteorologist, you have one goal in mind, and that's accuracy. If you say tomorrow it absolutely will not rain out and then pours out all day, everyone will know you're wrong. And if you're wrong consistently, you'll be out of a job. But that's not necessarily the case with other scientists where... You don't necessarily know that they're going to be wrong because not everyone has access to the data and their conclusions. We can comment more on that later.
1: Sure. Uh, Thank you for the call here, Paul. We'll comment more on the other side of the break. So uh, we'll have you listen on on air here, okay? Thank you. Thank you, Paul. And uh, our number to crosstalk, 800-733-9829. Jay Siegert with us here today, back in just a minute on Crosstalk.
5: For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Jesus in Luke 21 said, Look up, your redemption draweth nigh when you see these things happening. In other words, he said, Hey, you want to know what my second coming will look like? What will be going on before I arrive? Well, here's some of them, he says. Well, are we seeing some of these things happen? Wars, rumors of wars, plagues, pestilence. Yep. The Pentagon gives Ukraine the green light for drone strikes inside Russia. That's a headline today. And we'll be even providing some of the weaponry. You think they're pushing us toward World War III? The increasing of war? Now we have a pandemic simulation once again reported by the same players that were involved in the pandemic simulations in 2019 before the coronavirus in 2020. Now they're preparing for one that will kill upwards of a billion people, including children. They ran this in October of 2022. They're saying it's coming in 2025. I could go on and on. Plagues, pandemics, and other things the Bible predicted. Look up.
1: Our guest in studio today, Jay Siegert from The Starting Point Project, the website thestartingpointproject.com. We're discussing the myth of settled science. And um, Jay, as that break uh, came upon us in the midst of your response to uh, our caller from Bussey, Iowa, your continued response.
2: Sure. It basically had to do with the political motivations behind some scientists' conclusions. And that's the thing. There's a lot of pressure with many scientists, whether it's from money or peer pressure or prestige or politics and again uh, science should never be political but way too often especially recently it's extremely politically motivated so instead of really finding out what the science leads to you're finding out that yes it backs up our narrative that's what we told you and we did the research we're the smart people we have our models and everything and it it's confirming exactly what we were telling you but you don't get to look inside the black box to see what's you know how it's operating and garbage in, garbage out. You put garbage into it, you're going to get garbage out.
1: (laughs) Let's uh, pick up another call here. We've got uh, Eric calling in from Minnesota. Hi, Eric, you're on the air. Hello, Eric. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I just had a question for the uh, guest. I was just wondering, um, I know there's a lot of evidence of God's intelligent design in the world, and he says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Is there are there certain uh aspects that he finds effective when having a discussion with uh uh somebody that's uh evolutionist or whatever? Is there uh certain aspects that uh he really likes to share or, or feel is more effective?
2: Eric, thank you for the call. Jay. Yeah. Yeah, great question. You know, one avenue is is to share lots of technical details right now for you to memorize We don't have time and it's not as effective. Probably the best thing you can do, someone says they believe in evolution, make sure first they define what they mean by evolution, because if they just mean change, we we all believe in change, but we don't believe in the molecules to man change, where dead molecules came together to form a living cell and change itself into every other living form on this planet. But one of the best things you can do, and I asked an atheist in a radio interview one day, he said the reason he's an atheist is that there's no scientific evidence for God or creation. So I just asked him this question, and this is what the listeners can do. Ask the evolutionist, the skeptic, what would you accept as evidence for creation? What would that look like in your mind? If you saw A, B, or C, that would definitely be evidence for creation. And my response that I've gotten every single time is, oh, I don't know, but I know there's no evidence. Like, well, wait a minute. If by your own admission, you don't even know what the evidence would look like, how do you know it doesn't exist? In fact, if you don't have criteria that you use to choose when what counts and what doesn't, we can't even have this conversation. So they will claim the evidence doesn't exist, but they can't even tell you what it would look like if they saw it. Mm.
1: It's also very interesting that many believe in nothingness, but yet something came out of that nothingness.
2: Yeah, um, Lawrence Krauss, one of the leading theoretical physicists today, is an atheist, so he had to explain how do you get an entire universe out of nothing. And he said when think, people think of nothing. They typically think of the absence of anything. He said, but that's a philosophical definition. He goes, I don't care what the philosophers think. He goes, I am interested in the nothing of reality. And if the nothing of reality is filled with stuff, I'll go with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go to Ron in New Berlin, Wisconsin. You're on the air.
4: Yeah, I have an example of uh, settled science. It was just on the news yesterday. A magnificent photograph, very close to the origin of the universe,
1: billions of years ago. How do you handle that? Yeah, it's from the new telescope. that, Yeah, James
2: Webb Telescope. Mm -hmm. um, They're seeing light, and then they're interpreting that as seeing the very beginning of the birth of the universe, and that's where science gets very colorful. The real science is that they're seeing light, but the interpretation is it backs up with the Big Bang. Secular scientists will basically never, ever find evidence against the Big Bang, because when they do discover things that goes against the Big Bang, they redefine the Big Bang to encompass the new evidence, and then they turn around and say this evidence proves a Big Bang because it lines up with what we expected. Well, Hmm. it's because you changed your expectations to line up with what you just saw.
1: We've got Barry calling next from Tennessee. Hi, Barry, you're on the air.
0: Yes, um, according to the the topic of the the climate and such, and I was listening to a a scientist from NASA, probably 10 years ago or more ago, he was talking about how that, there's nothing abnormal about our climate. He said, we are cyclical. He said, according to the movement of the stars and the planets and such. And, that, and he was saying, what he said was was very significant and made a lot of sense. He said, we are in a cycle. He said, we're in like in a 600-year cycle. He said, if you go back 600 years, the climate and the weather it was, the patterns were about exactly the same as what we have now. And, you know, he tried to explain that like that. It made a whole lot of sense because he said the movement of the stars, the planets, everything is... The, is, is precise, you know, because that's how God made it.
2: Yeah, there, we have had climate change, and I'm glad because we had a medieval warm period from 950 to 1250 AD. That uh, was about a one degree Celsius warmer. Then we went into a little ice age, which was about two degrees, you know, cooler today. No one wants to live in a quote ice age, you know, it wasn't super cold, but it was colder than it is today. And we've warmed up out of that, and everyone's thankful. So we've warmed up, we cooled down, we warmed up. A lot of it has to do with a factor that they have all denied second peter chapter 3 says that the re one two reasons that they're going to deny the return of christ is that they're denying the genesis creation account and the flood and the flood changes everything the flood triggered an ice age that changed our climate dramatically and we are settling down post flood post ice age uh and genesis accounts for that but the secular scientists don't take that into account in their models
0: Right, right. But what he was saying was we we're in a cycle. It's about almost exactly the same as it was six hundred years ago. He said everything, everything comes around. Just keeps coming around the same way. But it's not like one year to the next year it's the yeah. same. No, it, it changes. He said we're cyclical. It just changes. Thank you, That's Barry.
1: Thank you for the call. Uh, and matter of fact, oftentimes we'll see, oh, a record setter. You know, a warmth temperature. Haven't had this since eighteen. You know, ninety-five yeah. or something of that nature. So. Uh, which tells me, yeah, it was warmer then.
2: Yeah, and we, with television and the internet, we're seeing this more often. You know, years ago, you didn't hear. You know, a hurricane came, you'd find out about a few mm-hmm. days later. Now you're seeing it live. It's in the news all the time. Forest fires and all that. So they're making it sound like the end of the world is here because they're putting it in front of your right. face all the time.
1: And our final call, Brad in West Dallas, here on the air.
4: Hey brother Jim. Uh, yeah, I've been hearing this uh, since the '70s when all this started. We're all going to die. Uh, we're not going to be able to see the sun or the moon. The cities will be underwater, all that stuff that we heard. And everything is always our fault. You know, it's, nothing ever happens naturally. You know, All this volcanic action that's constantly going on, um, that doesn't count. But we have to sacrifice our money, our food, our cars, our freedom in order to make things better. Yeah. One, one example is where, with CO2.
1: Uh, tell you, Brad, I'm sorry we're out of time. Our theme is closing on us here. Thank you for the call. We'll get you back another time. Uh, Any comment here, Jay, in closing?
2: Yeah, in closing, there's there's too much for anyone to have a handle on everything. And I would say scientifically, we will never, never, never know the answers because we don't have all the data. We have to rely on Scripture and the leading of the Holy Spirit anytime we're confused about any particular topic.
1: Jay, thank you for being with us today. You're
2: welcome. Thank you.
1: Jay Siegert, our topic today, The Myth of Settled Science. Folks, find out more information. Get his books and videos,
0: thestartingpointproject.com. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America.